This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I think the greatest weapon that I can contribute is trans joy and comedy and talking about hard, you know, subjects and really intricate moments of a transition and try to let everybody in to see that. Do you, you want know, to know, ironically, who uh, dislikes me the most sometimes? Who? Myself. Oh, me too. Oh. Yo, I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's March 16th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell, all that good stuff. And if you want to chat with us during the show, you can go to rubinreport.locals.com. You can download the iOS or Android app and get information to me live on air. It is wild what we can do on the internet these days. Uh, today, we're going to do a little, I would say, expose on the lunacy of the left. I know that doesn't sound particularly different than what we might normally do around here, uh, but we're going to be a very Harris-focused show today because Kamala Harris went on Stephen Colbert's show last night, the quote-unquote comedy show that Stephen Colbert hosts, and she literally, and I mean the word literally, everyone uses the word literally when they don't mean it literally, but I literally mean that Kamala Harris could not tell Stephen Colbert what the job of the vice president is. So that's one thing we're going to show you a couple clips on. Uh, and then Sam Harris. You guys remember Sam Harris? Sam Harris was once one of the intellectual thought leaders of the left. I was sort of in that intellectual dark web crew with him, uh, with Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and the Weinstein brothers and a whole bunch of other people uh, as, as sort of sane mostly centrists, mostly lefties actually calling out the illiberalism of the woke left, uh, that thing kind of fell apart. And Sam has just time after time just failed on the big issues of the day. And so we've got a Kamala Harris issue. Uh, we've got a Sam Harris issue, but I want to be very clear. I will not sully the good name of actor Ed Harris. Everyone loves Ed Harris. You know, Ed Harris from The Rock and some other stuff, Ed Harris is gonna be just fine today. Before we get to any of that, let me talk to you guys about Relief Band real quick. Is Joe Biden's economy making you nauseous? Probably after this week. Uh, well, you've gotta check out Relief Band. Relief Band's the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and much more. Whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure for nausea, their patented technology makes feeling sick, a thing of the past. Relief Band is 100% drug-free and non-drowsy. They've got a A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers. So they're a brand you can trust. You guys know I like to polish off the week with a nice glass of tequila. If I'm a bit nauseous the next morning, doesn't happen that often. 
uh, but it could happen. I'll throw on my relief band and the post hangover nausea is gone. So if you want the band that actually works at relieving nausea, check out Relief Band. Uh, and we've got a deal for you guys. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Ruben, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked money back guarantee. That's reliefband.com. Use promo code Ruben for 20% off plus free shipping. So, okay, here we go. Let's just disassemble the logic of the left. And it ain't gonna be that hard today. I don't have much of a lift that I've got to do today because you just have to listen to them and they disassemble it themselves. So Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, who was polling at zero within her own party when Joe Biden uh, selected her to be VP, or actually when she dropped out first because she was doing so poorly after people legitimately thought she might be the next president, she dropped out polling at zero, maybe 1%, and then Joe chose her, and we all know that this was a, a diversity hire. It just is what it is. Basically, they admit it themselves. In any event, she went on Stephen Colbert's show last night, and you know what I always say about Stephen Colbert. He's not really a comedian. He is basically just a piece of the machine. If he can do anything in service of the machine, he will do it. So he asked Kamala Harris, I think what you would call a softball question. Hey, Vice President, what is the job of the vice president? And well, enjoy. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, in the, one of the themes of the show is that her character, uh, Selena Meyer, is frustrated by the sometimes vague duties of the role. Like it's a, it's a high constitutional office, but it's not prescribed so much about what you're supposed to be doing. Is, is that ring true? Like what is, to, what is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it? Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States. Right. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and was vice president, right? Does that affect so, it? Does, it? does he understand what it's like to does, be a vice president? He does. And he is... He really is a true partner and he understands the job. And remember, we came in during the height of the pandemic. There's only one person who sits behind that resolute desk. And the decisions that that person has to make are the decisions that nobody else in the country can make. And he's an extraordinary leader. Really Really That's an excellent, that's an excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president? <laughs> and your answer is part of the job, I'm guessing. Well, you know, my job is to do, I mean, for example, I'll tell you, um, I was recently in Munich at the Munich Security Conference. Yes. And, um, and the job there was to stand up. And as you know, most of my career I spent as a prosecutor. And I declared that um, we, the United States of America, believe that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. Yes. What is and the significance? She does not know what the job of the vice president is. And frankly, with her mental acumen, that might be best. I mean, he says to her, it's a softball. He lives to service the machine. He lives to fillet the machine. So all he's doing is say, oh, it's the vice president. Here's the easiest question on earth. What do you do all day? And she does not know. It would be like someone asking me, Dave, what do you do for a living? And me being like, well, uh, I know Connor over here uh, sits at the computer all day and does something over there. Uh, <laughs> these people are basically 
brain dead and they should not be in charge of running a McDonald's. No offense to anyone who's running a McDonald's because you're actually far more functional than these people. By the way, as her, uh, when she was prosecutor, she was attorney general of uh, California before she was senator, uh, she put 1,900 people in jail for, is that just for smoking weed? That's just for weed-related offenses. So that's what she's doing, even though she was always joking that she smokes weed herself or at least did smoke weed or something like that. Anyway, this continued, this continued because what do they do on corporate talk shows, they bring on Democrats to try to inflate them, although they often fail themselves, uh, and then also to lie basically about Republicans. So Colbert also asked Kamala Harris uh, about Ron DeSantis's take on Ukraine, which we covered yesterday. You know, he basically said, is this in America's interests? And perhaps we have to deal with some stuff at home before saving the rest of the world. Uh, but apparently that was not good enough for Kamala or Stephen Colbert, and here we go. What do you make of um, someone like Governor DeSantis, who, while there is a strain of isolationism all throughout American history, yeah. is saying that this is not in America's strategic interest yeah. to side with the Ukrainians and offer them the material aid they need to defend themselves against an invading power? So... As vice president, I have now met with over 100 world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, and kings. And when you have had the experience of meeting and, and understanding the significance, again, of international rules and norms and the importance of the United States of America standing firm and clear about the significance of sovereignty and territorial integrity, the significance of standing firm against any nation that would try to take by force another nation, if you really understand the issues, you probably would not make statements like that. Yeah, because she really understands the issues. First off, just the way she speaks as if she is a third grade teacher for the special class. It's just, it's so pandering and awful. Now, she clearly prepared that answer. Uh, but also, really, if you just peel it a little bit deeper than that, is her position that any time any country in the world does something we don't like or may not agree with, we have to get involved? If any country anywhere was to violate anyone else's territory, sovereignty, we have to be the ones to do it. And if you think, I mean, the weird thing about the Ukraine thing, I understand, look, I'm not purely an isolationist and I actually do believe in peace through strength, but we are so screwy right now. We are so messed up financially and morally and culturally. I'm pretty sure that our $160 billion and the endless funding for the weapons and everything else isn't going to end this thing. But some people seem to think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can end this thing, or is it just endless money laundering and lies? I think it's rather that. So you might go, well, how did we end up in this situation? How did we possibly end up where the vice president of the Democratic Party really seems to know nothing about nothing? She doesn't know what her job is, and really, maybe she can read some things off cue cards, but that's basically it. Well, how did we end up there? Well, I would argue that there has been probably for the last decade a complete, and this is a depressing situation for me to have to uh, tell you, uh, considering where I started from, but there has been a complete and utter failure of the intellectual left. There once was 
a liberal left that made sense. The ACLU in the 70s fighting for free speech, right? Skokie, Illinois, a lot fighting so that self-proclaimed Nazis could march because they believed in free speech. There was a left that made sense. JFK, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. There was a Democrat party that made sense, but it has been demolished. So you end up with a president who basically has brain damage and a vice president who can't explain what the job of the vice president is. And I would say over the course of these last 10 years, we've just seen a complete decimation of whatever intellectual piece of the left there was. So now this is the segue to the other Harris. And I just wanna say before we do this, I have tried, you know I have tried, Sam and I were friends, Sam Harris and I were friends for years, many dinners together uh, with, with spouses and all of that stuff. So I am not trying to be gratuitous here, but these clips were going viral. And I just don't understand how somebody could be so wrong about so many things, whether it comes to COVID or censorship, you know, thanking Jack Dorsey for, uh, you know, getting rid of Donald Trump off Twitter and, and a bunch of other stuff, and then continually doubling down on it. But maybe it does get to the heart of what is wrong with leftism, and maybe it also gets to the heart of what is wrong with the sort of purely secular atheist position, which is that you kind of end up believing something one way or another. All right, that's enough of a lead in on this thing. Here is Sam Harris on Lex Friedman's podcast, still illogically trying to explain his position on vaxes, and it just doesn't make any sense. Go. We're against skepticism of the safety and e efficacy of the vaccine. So people who get nervous about the vaccine, but don't fall into the usual anti-vax camp, which I think there was a significant yeah, yeah, was. enough number. Oh, yeah. They're asking, they're getting nervous. I mean, the, the sense was that you weren't open enough to the skepticism. I understand that people have that sense. I'll tell you how I thought about it and think about it. One, again, it was a moving target. So there was a point in the timeline where it was totally rational to expect that the vaccines were, were both working, but, but both they were they were reasonably safe and that and that covid was reasonably dangerous and that the trade off for basically everyone was it was rational to get vaccinated given how many given the level of testing it was just obviously reasonable to get vaccinated in especially because there was every reason to expect that while it wasn't a perfectly sterilizing vaccine it was going to knock down transmission a lot and that matters. And so it wasn't just a personal choice. You were actually being a good citizen when you decided to run whatever risk you, you were going to run to get vaccinated. Man, there's so much there. Uh, first off, to say it was completely rational to think that there was a point on the timeline that it was completely rational to think they were safe. I mean, it was completely rational to think they weren't safe. They were being pushed on everybody for a virus that had over 99.9% .9 chance of recovery from if you were relatively healthy, if you were very elderly or had several other comorbidities, much like you wouldn't wanna get the flu, you also didn't wanna get COVID. But the idea that it was rational to think they were safe, like what happened to skepticism? I thought skeptics, I mean, Sam and the, and the atheist community and that sort of section of the secular left, I thought their entire thing was about skepticism. You don't just accept answers. We're not like those stupid religious people who just accept that, that floating sky god. That would be their general position. We think about things. We question things. 
why did I end up questioning the vaccine? Why did I not get vaccinated? And clearly that has turned out to be the correct position. And millions and millions of other people took that same position and now are quite happy about it. There are tons, not only of people who are vaccine injured, we'll get to that in a second, but there are tons of people who now are vaxxed, who were forced to get vaxxed, who did not want to get vaxxed, but they were forced because of their job or having to travel internationally, whatever their choice was that, you know, you eventually got pushed into a corner and you made your choice. Uh, but there are tons of people who are now trying to figure out ways to detox from the vax. We know that people who get booster after booster after booster still are getting COVID. I had Robert Malone on the show, basically the inventor of the mRNA vaccines, saying that he, at this point, thinks it's going to get way, way worse, that the vaccines are actually degrading your immune system. So there was no point in the timeline where it was totally rational to just believe the machine, but that would be my position generally when it comes to people like Sam. It's like, you can say you're an atheist, but you end up believing in something one way or another. That was Jordan Peterson and Sam had several debates over the years, and that was Jordan's basic argument. You can say you don't believe in anything, but your actions actually prove otherwise. Um, this all other idea, though, that he says, and then I'll move on to the next clip, uh, about a personal choice. Everything is about personal choice. When they tell you, you have to do this for the good of everybody else, you better be pretty wary of these people. Uh, back in the day, if you wanted to get vaccinated, it was so that you wouldn't get sick. Suddenly, this virus comes out of wherever it came from, perhaps a, a lab in Wuhan funded by Anthony Fauci. And suddenly you have to do something for everyone else and you have to stay in your house for everyone else and you have to wear a mask for everyone else and the rest of all of this nonsense. And it was all BS, but for some reason he keeps going with this. Here's just one more clip of this. Uh, here's another, this is just an illogical explanation where he's trying to refine his position on the vax, but it just ain't right. We should all feel a civic responsibility to be vaccinated against egregiously awful and transmi transmissible diseases for which we have relatively safe vaccines to keep those sorts of people safe. And there was a period of time when it was thought that the vaccine could stop transmission. Yes. And so again, all of this is, has begun to shift. Um, I don't think it has shifted as much as Brett Weinstein thinks it's shifted. But yes, there are safety concerns around the mRNA vaccines, f especially for young men. Certainly less worried about getting COVID. I've had it once. I've been vaccinated. I've like it's like. So you ask me now, how do I feel about getting the next booster? I don't know that I'm going to get the next booster, right? So, so I, I was somebody who was waiting in line at four in the morning, you know, hoping to get get a some overflow vaccine when it was first available, and I that was at that point, given what we knew, or given what I thought I knew based on the best sources I could consult. It was totally rational for me to, to want to get that vaccine as, as soon as I could. And now I think it's totally rational for me to, to do a, a, a different kind of cost-benefit analysis and wonder, listen, do I really need to get a booster, right? You know, like how many of, the, how many of these boosters am I going to get for the rest of my life, really? Um, and how safe is uh, the mRNA vaccine for a man of my age, right? And do I need to be worried about myocarditis for, you know? All of that is completely rational to talk about now. I'm, I'm actually almost speechless. There's so much doublespeak in there and, and really just endless nonsense. And I think what happens is, again, if you just believe in the system, 
you just believe that these systems exist and they somehow are inherently good for you, then you can always rationalize everything. How was it rational, say a year and a half ago, to get a virtually untested Operation Warp Speed pushed through vaccine that we didn't know much about? How was that rational then when we did know for sure that there was over 99% chance you were gonna be just fine, especially, I don't know, I think he's in his early 50s, if you're a relatively youngish, middle-aged, healthy, person. And now he's saying uh, it's also rational to be skeptical about it now, but it was rational to be skeptical about it then. And and because there's been just a complete collapse of, of any intellectual arguments on the left, on one day they'll be forcing you to do something and telling you it's for your own good and for society's good. And then the next day they'll tell you, oh boy, well, I guess we kind of screwed up that one and who knows, maybe we shouldn't be getting boosters. Ugh, it's just, but it just continues. I, I'm not gonna hit this too hard anymore, but uh, it just continues. They lie about everything. So, you know, we showed you a clip a day or two ago about this interview that Joe Biden did with Cal Penn from the White Castle movie. I guess he's a host on Comedy He's Is he the host of The Daily Show now? Is that what it is? I don't, I don't know what he is, but he's on Comedy Central now. And he did a very, very ridiculously softball interview with Joe Biden. I mean, that's what they do. Think about where the vice president and president are being interviewed. You got Joe Biden on Comedy Central. You got Kamala Harris on Colbert. It's interesting that they don't get interviewed by, forget me, why aren't they getting interviewed by uh, Ben Shapiro? Maybe sit down with Jordan Peterson, sit down with somebody that might be able to challenge some of your beliefs, but okay, just fine. Anyway, they just lie about everything and they always move the goalposts, all right? So Sam is moving the goalposts here. It was rational to do this then, it was rational to do this now. Sure, I turned out to be wrong about everything, never says that, but that's sort of the subtext. And this is Joe Biden moving the goalposts. When did Joe Biden know that he was for gay marriage? It was like 1960, it's wild. Uh, well, take a look. Question for you, Mr. President, is you codified uh, support for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages like, like ours. I'm curious what your evolution was like on marriage equality and what the federal government might be able to do to protect LGBTQ Americans, especially trans kids who are dealing with all these regressive state laws that are popping up right now. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh -huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. Joe Biden is claiming that in 1961, that he was for gay marriage. 1961, he was for gay marriage. He is so enlightened. Joe Biden. Also, I don't know what the hell Cal Penn is talking about that Joe Biden somehow codified interracial marriage, but okay, put that aside. Also, for some reason, Cal Penn is very interested in having young boys chop their genitals off or young girls chop their breasts off without having any uh, development in their brain to know what they're doing with their lives. But okay, that's sort of leftism 101 right now. Mutilation of the genitals is very high on their hierarchy of important things. But Joe Biden, again, is saying in that 1961, he was for gay marriage. Well, that's quite bizarre because it took us about 10 seconds to find this from 2006. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law 
the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? Do you support gay marriage? No, Barack Obama nor I support redefining from a, from a civil side what constitutes marriage. So upsetting, guys, because I, I believe in Joe Biden. I believe that in 1961 he was in high school and saw two gentlemen, two well-dressed gentlemen kiss and thought, I will fight for gay rights after I leave the Jewish temple this morning and I get out and I have uh, sandwiches with my Puerto Rican friends and I also grew up in the, uh, in the hood and all of the other nonsensical things he makes up. But somehow 50 years later, he was still fighting against gay marriage. It's all so confusing. And I would just like to uh, juxtapose that with the way that they treat Republicans when it comes to the mainstream media, because I think I've made my case here. They give you these softball, ridiculous, nonsensical things. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, they just lie about literally everything you do. And as you guys know, the main guy they're lying about these days is the guy that they view as the big threat. And of course, that is Ron DeSantis from the free state of Florida. We shouldn't overlook that you know, the anti-woke guy, Ron DeSantis, his ideal is Putin's Russia, where there are no gay people, where there are no women in power, where you know, they're all Christians. That's how he wants to see the world. That's the world. They, that's why they love Putin and they love autocrats. I call it the televised mental institution of MSNBC. Like, really think about how insane that is. No one is coming for the gays of Florida. Gays are doing quite well here because they live in freedom and are treated equally under the law. Ron DeSantis is not coming for the women or the black people or any of it, but this is what they do. So now I got one more clip for you and then we're gonna get to the uh, community Q&A. So think about it. You've got sort of the, if you take Sam Harris and say he was part of the intellectual side of the left, making at one time good arguments for leftism or liberalism, he's, he's sort of gone off the deep end calling for censorship of Trump, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then you've got your Kamala Harris's, the type of people that literally don't know what their jobs are. And then you've got people like Joe Biden who literally lie about everything. And we just have the video to prove it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with a quick clip that I think I showed. It was either yesterday or the day before. This is Anna Navarro on The View yelling at people as to why they have to support Biden and Harris because there are no arguments left all there is on that side of the aisle is the constant quest for power. So you can't make a good argument for Biden and Harris, but you can basically bludgeon people into voting for them. And uh, here's Anna Navarro. I don't know what the hell is wrong with Democrats. Listen, here's the bottom line, guys. Joe Biden's going to be your nominee. Stop talking about how old he is. And Kamala Harris is going to be your vice president. 
So stop fretting, stop wringing your hands, and get behind your ticket, because on the other side, the alternative is Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. So you tell me what you prefer. Get behind the geriatric guy who can't complete a sentence and has taken every position on everything and lies about absolutely everything and is clearly not in charge, and the woman who doesn't know what her job is, otherwise you're not a good Democrat. And I would just contrast that uh, to the way that I've tried to uh, approach what's going on on the Republican side. Obviously, I am voting for a Republican, no matter who it is in 2024, I am voting for them as opposed to a Democrat, right? You don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. The Democrats have lost their mind. But as I have said to you guys many times, I am going to interview all of the candidates. We're gonna try to do them all in person. I am gonna treat them all the same. And at the end of the day, if you watching this right now, if half my audience votes for Trump and 30% votes for DeSantis and 12% votes for Nikki Haley and 7% uh, votes for somebody else, that'll be just fine. But imagine there are people that tune into The View to be yelled at over who they're supposed to vote for. If you come to a different conclusion than I do, that is just absolutely fine. And speaking of that, just yesterday, we did our first of those in-person sit-downs and I did an hour with Nikki Haley. We talked about our agreements. We talked about our disagreements, uh, which mostly had to do with uh, foreign policy. Uh, And it was all good. And I think she's a good person. And we're going to have a really nice crop of interesting, truly diverse Republicans up there, whether it is Trump or DeSantis or Vivek or Nikki or Mike Pompeo or whoever else it might be, but unfortunately, man, the ship has left the station when it comes to sanity on the left. And on that note, let's get to a Rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Here we go. Florida man Chuck says, what do you think about all the quote unquote Republicans who are siding with the Democrats regarding the censorship of the January 6th video footage? Do you think that this will be enough to finally convince the American people to give these career politicians the boot. I mean, look, people love to be punished and they love to vote in people who never do the right thing. It's been kind of disappointing to see a bunch of Republicans side with the Democrats on this, that somehow we are, we're revealing state secrets and it's, it's a security issue and everything else. It's like, how about more transparency, right? You people love trans stuff, except transparency. That's the one that they're not really into. The idea of leaking, or not leaking, allowing this footage out, which is exactly what McCarthy did. It sounded originally like it was about 40,000 hours. Now it's about 60,000 hours. It's like, okay, we'll be able to look at the footage and see actually what happened. And what we are finding out is what I think a lot of people suspected or, or knew to some extent, which is that the police and the security at the Capitol were opening doors for people. We're literally putting keys in locks and allowing people to walk into the Capitol and into the offices and moving barricades. And it certainly was not as, as evil a terrorist insurrection as it was framed to be. My preference would be we get more information out there. So the fact that we have some, you know, kind of limp-wristed Republicans who just side with the Democrats, that you get, you know, people like Mitt Romney, who there is no difference from Mitt Romney to a Democrat at this point. They will never stand up for the right thing, but it allows Mitt Romney to get on the talk shows and to be thought of as a polite member of society, as opposed to a Republican who actually accomplishes something, sort of like Donald Trump, sort of like Ron DeSantis. If you're a Republican and you stand up for your principles, they will try to destroy you. If you're a Republican and you do what they want, man, you're gonna be on Meet the Press and they're gonna take you out to lunch in DC. Marshall. 
says, I know you talk about moving to Florida, but what other states would be good states to move to? I mean, look, Texas, I think, is in great shape right now. I think a few years ago, you know, the fact that Beto O'Rourke got so close to beating Ted Cruz was a huge, huge, like, signal to, to the good, decent people in Texas that you better pay attention. And then what happened? Well, Beto ended up running for governor and got crushed. So Texas, I think, is fully safe. I think Montana... Uh, is doing great. I think Tennessee is doing great. South Dakota, South Carolina are doing great. I think even Georgia's making a little more sense, at least at the gubernatorial level. But I would go, look, any of the states, first off, that are uh, that have no income tax. Like, I don't even mean that purely at like a financial level because I didn't move to Florida for the finances. But now, like every month when I look at the, the numbers and I'm just like, yeah, why did the government need more of my money? Why did Cali need another 12% from me to run the ridiculous experiment that it's running over there? And nothing is better there. Everything is actually better here. But I would say you, you should go to states that are reliably red. And guess what? Even if you're gay and or black, they ain't gonna come for you because people in red states generally believe in freedom. And if you wanna live in a blue state with high taxes and high crime, and the rest of it, go for it, but yeah, that's it. Uh, Vika says, do you think Bernie really did not know the difference between equality and equity, or is he just a, he, or is he just at a Biden point in his life where he doesn't know what he believes anymore? You know, it's really interesting. If you watch his body language in that clip, which we played a couple times, and if you haven't seen it, you can catch it. It was on Real Time with Bill Maher, and Bill basically said, hey, what's the difference between equality and equity? He, he doesn't know. He kind of fumbles around. You can see his eyes kind of darting around. Bill basically explains it to him, and then he comes out on the side of equity, meaning equal opportunity, as opposed to um, uh, equality, uh, uh, which is equal opportunity, as, a, as opposed, sorry, as opposed, just a sec. as opposed to equity, which is equality of outcome. But that is baked into his socialist worldview that we should be using the levers of government so that everyone is equal on the other side. That's socialism 101. That, that's everything he has been fighting for his entire life. I don't know that he knows what he believes anymore. I, you know, I used to say that Bernie was a true believer, but it's like, man, if you don't know the difference between equality and equity, like that's basically saying to Bernie Sanders, you don't know the difference between capitalism and socialism. So he might be at the point where he's completely muddled. I also think it's possible that he never thought that the woke thing and, and the real radicalism of the progressives, like he was an old school socialist that had nothing to do with sexuality or skin color, really. Uh, and then these guys came in behind him. And I think he probably looks at them and, and to some extent is like, man, what did I usher in? So when Bill really laid it out for him, he, he was like, oh, yeah, I do, I do believe in uh, equality of opportunity. And it's like, yeah, sorry, dude, you're the one that opened the door for all these crazy people. So it's, it's hard to know, truly. Uh, Petunia says, I know you enjoy tequila, and I haven't been listening long enough to find out your favorite tequila and or margarita recipe. The best margaritas I've had were Patron in a Mexican place in Moab, Utah. That's an interesting place to get a margarita. Can you please share your favorite tequila and margarita recipe for the locals recipe before the locals recipe book finishes? 
do, how are we doing on the Locals Recipe Book? We have, we have tons of things. We're putting it together. It's all, it's all happening. So if you are in the Locals community, we are, we are taking recipes from you guys and we're going to put them together in a PDF that's going to be separate than the, the cookbook that David and I have been working on for quite some time, which will be a, a full book. Maybe, maybe we'll make this into a binded book. We'll see. But I will tell you a couple things on the tequila and margarita front. To me, the best tequila, it ain't cheap. It's about 140 bucks a bottle. But Clasa Azul Reposado, it is that white and blue bottle that I've, I've ceramic beautiful bottle that I've brought on uh, when we've done some later shows a couple of times. That as a sipping tequila, one rock, it's just perfect and phenomenal. I actually like Reposados more than I like Anejos. Anejos, they let sit longer, so you're gonna get more of that wood taste I, or, or that oak taste. I like, the, I like the thinness and lightness of a Reposado a little bit more. As for a margarita recipe, I mean, the third, third, third situation is basically it. You do uh, a third tequila, do a Blanco tequila. Uh, Casa Dragones is excellent if you want a nice Blanco. Uh, and a third orange juice and a third lime juice. You can go even a little bit less on the lime juice. That's like a super simple on the rocks margarita. You will dig it, I promise. Uh, Curtis says, uh, with those who subscribe to your belief in self-reliance, personal responsibility and meritocracy, just to name some attributes of individuality, those on the collective side seem to be hotwired to never change. On a scale of one to 10, do you think it would take a total collapse of freedom for this group to ever see the light? That's a great question. Um, so how do we get these people to wake up, right? Because I think if people really understood the issues, if we really had good state education, people would understand freedom more. Like the default position should always be freedom. And then we should go, okay, where do we need the government to do some things, if at all? But the default situation seems to be the reverse, where it's like government should do everything, and then you can figure out little ways to be free outside of that. So we have to flip the whole script on that. How do we break these people? I don't know, it's tough, but I think there are ways that it's happening. I mean, I think that is what sort of the, the online creator revolution has caused, right? It's why more people tune into this and, and Shapiro and Crowder and a whole bunch of other people more than they tune into MSNBC and CNN. I think people are starting to see through the lies. Um, but it's, it's a serious brainwashing situation with these leftists. It really is. And I also think the, the proof is in the pudding on that because if you look at the midterms, it's like, by most estimations, if you're kind of sane, you should have voted for a Republican after all of these years of COVID and the rest of it. And yet, you know, although the Republicans got the house back, it certainly was no red wave. So it shows you that a certain amount of people are still brainwashed and maybe want to be brainwashed, you know? And, and that's also the effectiveness of why calling people racists and bigots and homophobes, why it works. When you do that to everybody else, the day you have your red pill moment, you go, oh shit, they're gonna do that to me. And that ain't fun. So it keeps people in kind of a, a self-hostage situation. Uh, Jackie says, do you think people who watch your show or other conservative shows for hit pieces like Media Matters ever accidentally get red pilled or have any moments of, hmm, maybe they have a point. It's funny, so we know for sure, like without question, that there are Media Matters people who watch my show every day waiting for me to slip up or make a joke they don't like or selectively edit something or Southern Poverty Law Center or now NewsGuard, I've got them coming after me. Literally an organization funded by the federal government, $750,000, 100% true, watches this show waiting for me 
to say something so they can basically get an article printed in the New York Times to go after the disinformation people of YouTube to get us all freaking canceled and get my guys to be fired and everything else. It ain't gonna work, by the way. Um, so, but wait, what was the question? What was the actual question there? I went on a complete tangent. Back me up for a second. What's that? Oh, do they get red-pilled? <laughs> Do they get red-pilled watching? Um, I think so. I think they probably do. You know, one of the funny things about that is that back in the day when, when people would, uh, you know, selectively edit things that I said, um, it was bothering me, right? It was like, it's very annoying. And it's like, wh what can I do about it? You know, like, what can you do? Now what I find is Media Matters and these other places, they put up exactly what I say. And I'm like, yeah, that is what I said because that's the truth. So I do think it's possible that the media's matter the media matter person watching this right now or the Southern Poverty Law Center person watching this right now, it's like, if you really watch this, you know, I'll talk to you directly right now, Media Matters guy. If you're watching this right now, note I've been talking about freedom. I am not uh, trying to get gay people. I'm not trying to get black people. I believe that you, media's ma Media Matters person, should uh, have the most autonomy over your life as possible. I want limited government uh, so that you can follow your dreams and uh, pursue happiness and the rest of it. Uh, but I know it's a bunch of far-right crap. Okay. Uh, Brooke says, forgive me if I missed it, but as the founder of Locals, which is now part of Rumble, do you have a comment on Steven Crowder joining Rumble? You know, I didn't even have a chance to comment on it. I, I wanted to. Uh, I think I did tweet about it. I sent, I sent one tweet out just congratulating Crowder. I'm thrilled that he's on Rumble. Look, what we did with Locals and Rumble was build an alternative ecosystem so that anyone, whether they agree with me or disagree with me or like me or hate me. It has nothing to do with me. We are building parallel infrastructure so that you as a creator can do whatever you want. I was very happy to see that, you know, after obviously there was a big brouhaha, what happened with Crowder and Daily Wire and I covered a bunch of that kind of stuff. I was thrilled to see that he said the best way for me to build my company, uh, to build out the mug club and to remain truly independent and monetize as I see fit and all of those things was exactly what we've built. I, like that is freaking awesome. His, the mug club subscription is built on, on locals technology. He's using rumble as his main platform. Like we're really doing it. And, and that was my thing all along. I didn't want to just talk about this stuff. I wanted to do some things that would actually make a difference. And we've done just that. And, and by the way, we've got other major, major announcements coming. Like the, the Rumble situation is just really hot right now. And we're just gonna keep doing it. We're just gonna keep doing it, whether that means we have to build a messenger and a Gmail client or an email client and a whole bunch more. Uh, and we are working on a couple other features. I know that you guys in the locals community, one of the features you really want is the, to message each other. We're working on it, we're working on it, just patient, the, all of these things take time, but we, we, we've got the laundry list and we're gonna do it. Uh, Jill says, what's your favorite candy and sweet treat? I like the ice cream. I like ice cream. Had a little Talenti, do you know about Talenti? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty solid brand, had some Talenti. I love mint ice cream, I like cookies and cream. I'll do a vanilla. I would do a vanilla, straight up vanilla before I would do a straight up chocolate. What do you think about that? People are gonna say that's because of racism. And maybe it is, maybe it is. Kelly says, if you were president, would you consider pardoning Julian Assange? Uh, uh, freeing him is, uh, oh, not freeing him was what I considered one of the largest mistakes of the Trump presidency. Um, would I consider pardoning him? Absolutely. Look, I don't know that we have all of the answers related to all of that. 
But what he released has now shown us that the security state in the United States and the FBI and the CIA, and now subsequently everything we know about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and how they lied about that and all of these things. I mean, we basically have, have started to use technological and intelligence warfare on our own citizens. So does he deserve to not have to live, where, where is he now? Is he even in Russia anymore? They got, he's in England now, so I guess he, right? Like, it, it, it has been completely unjust what has happened to him. I should do more on this. Maybe we can, we'll try to get him on the show. I think we tried a long time ago, Abby. It was, it was very complex, and I think there's limits to what he can say, and what's that? He's in jail. Is he, he's in jail right now? I thought he was, so Edward Snowden is in Russia, and Julian is, oh right, Julian Assange is in jail. All right, clearly I need to do a little more digging on this stuff, and yeah, stay tuned on that. Uh, Danielle says, before Justin was born, you were soaking up the weekends. How have your weekends changed and how have they stayed the same since August? You know, it's funny because on a, on a weekday around here, like, you know, as I tell you guys, like 7 a.m., I'm doing my thing with them for an hour and it's just a great way to start the day. And everybody was in a seriously good mood this morning and slept well last night. And they're, they're you know, Justin's crawling around, Luke's rolling a little bit. So like, it's just kind of fun and light in the morning. Um, and then I'm doing my thing in here and doing other shows and whatever it might be uh, during the day. The weekends are, are a completely different thing because, because I'm not working. Now it's like, it's all four of us for 48 hours. And sometimes the weekends can be more intense because I'm, I'm more involved and all of that stuff. Uh, this past weekend, we went to the botanical gardens. We took them to the botanical gardens over here. There was like a lily fair or something and all these kind of nice flowers and stuff. And then we went to a petting zoo and we got to see some chickens and donkeys and cows and rabbits and a bunch more. You know, they don't really pay that much. Justin's at the point where he can kind of visualize what's going on. And, you know, he, sm he just endlessly smiles at everything. Um, so we had, a, we had a really nice uh, weekend. But yeah, my, my drinking tequila while in the pool lounging for three hours uh, on a Saturday at 2 p.m. are pretty much gone. But there's, a, there's another part of life that is... Uh, I would say kind of complete now. Uh, Nick says, as a fellow Floridian, I was wondering if you and David had invested in solar panels. If not, do you think that now is a smart time for anyone to invest in them since China has sole control over their production and supply? You know, it's, it's actually really interesting. So obviously Florida is the sunshine state. The house that we bought had some solar panels and I brought someone in to you know, basically audit the system and like tell me what's going on here. You know, one of the things that people don't realize about solar power is if you have a normal solar system, as big as it might be on your house or where, wherever it is, if it's in a field next to your house, whatever, unless you have a battery, like a Tesla Powerwall battery is one of the main ones, but I think Samsung makes one, a couple other companies. Unless you have a battery to store that energy, basically you're taking the power from the sun, it goes into your solar panels and then it goes back out to the grid. So you're helping the grid offset some of the energy, but if the power was to go down, meaning if the grid went down, unless you have a battery attached to that, you're gonna go down too. So you could have literally the best solar panels in the world, and unless you've got that Tesla Powerwall or one of these other batteries, grid goes down, you're still going down. So anyway, the house did not have a battery. We, I had someone audit the system, and they were like, actually, these panels that you have up are pretty much nothing. They're mostly decorations. They're offsetting you by this tiny little piece. And we didn't think that they were that, uh, they didn't look that great, quite frankly, the way they were put in. So we actually removed them, which was a little bizarre, because I was like, I can't believe I'm living in Florida, removing solar panels. I have looked into maybe putting up some other ones and doing the Powerwall thing. 
Uh, it's all quite pricey right now. Like there, there are major uh, issues on the, on the funding of that. Uh, one of the things that I would like to talk to Governor DeSantis about at some point when we do a longer sit down is should Florida maybe be doing some more subsidies on that kind of thing, right? Like he doesn't love the idea of the government subsidizing some of this stuff. But if you have a state like Florida where we have, you know, basically endless sunshine that can be converted into power to make us a little bit less reliant on say China, Russia, et cetera, uh, maybe that's something that, that the government should look into. So I will talk to him about that. Amy says, I just watched the movie, The, uh, the Campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis, uh, circa 2012. Have you seen it? It strikes me as far more accidentally accurate to today's political sphere than most documentaries today. Um, I have not seen it, but I have heard it is excellent. And you know what, Amy, my commitment to you is I will watch it this weekend and get back to you. So stay tuned on that. Kathy says, what are you growing in your garden this year? Uh, right this moment, we don't have a ton going on. I'm, I'm working on a much bigger garden project. We've, we've got some basil and some rosemary. Uh, I'm putting in some new citrus trees uh, this weekend. I think we got we uh, we got four big holes that we're about to uh, fill in. I think we're going to do an orange, lemon, lime, and probably grapefruit. Uh, I do have a mango tree which uh, just started fruiting, which we're psyched about, and we have a freaking amazing avocado tree that's probably my guy said he thinks it's probably about a hundred years old. Uh, it was in a bit of neglect before we moved here, so it took about a year of feeding it and pruning it and doing all the right stuff. But now that avocado tree is looking great. And uh, yeah, I think, oh, and we have two banana trees right now with, with massive banana bushels, right? So I'm gonna have a lot of bananas. If, if anyone wants a banana, please contact us and I will, I will send you a banana. No, Daphne, you don't wanna send out bananas to all the people that, all right, we can't send you bananas, I'm sorry. Uh, and Tinzigal says, what, if anything, keeps you up at night. Do you have any deep-seated worries about locals, the Rubin Report, or your family life? Um, well, on the locals front, no. I mean, the company's working like, yes, could Google or Amazon or what, like they attack us or I don't know, like, but that's not kind of what I'm worried about. In terms of what we're doing here, no. I, I really, as I say in our, we do our weekly team meeting and every week I'm like, guys, this stuff's working. Everybody's working hard. We're growing like every week we crush every number. Like I feel good about the content. I, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I don't worry about that. I mean, it's gonna sound kind of corny. I mean, the only thing that I really worry about is like the state of the world. Like that is actually what keeps me up at night or, you know, just, you know, I'm walking the dog or I'm pushing the kids in the, in the stroller and I'm like legitimately like, man, how much longer is this American experiment gonna go? Or, you know, what if, what if we send our guy, what if we send DeSantis out to the machine and the machine takes him out? Like, where does that leave Florida? And all that kind of stuff. But I'm not, the, the minutia of my life, like I'm not too worried about that. And you know, as I've said, like I have the things that I want, things, things are good, we're gonna keep pushing and building and all that stuff. Uh, but it, it, all of that leads you to, you gotta fight harder then, right? Like if you have something to fight for, this is the time to fight for it because uh, these guys just aren't gonna stop. It's just, it's just kind of how it is. And if you think that, the, as Anna DeVar said, you must fall in line and vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's like, a lot of people are gonna do that, but I think there's a much better way that has nothing to do with those people. I've enjoyed today's uh, question and answer session. Do, do you guys have any final thoughts today before we uh, do the post game show? We got a post game show coming up in uh, just a couple seconds at rubenreport.locals.com. I leave you with a cold close and I'll see everybody on the other side. And everyone else, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye.
over a billion two hundred a trillion two hundred billion dollars. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.